0: Hello and welcome to the St Mark's podcast. Whether you regularly join us at church on Sundays or you're joining us for the very first time, we hope that this week's talk inspires you and
1: draws you closer to Jesus. The reading this morning is coming from Genesis 22. I'm reading from the ESV. The sacrifice of Isaac... And he cut the wood for the burnt offering, and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to the young men, Stay here with the donkey, and I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son. When they came to the place of which god had told him abraham built the altar and there laid the wood in order and bound isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood then abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son but the angel of the lord called to him from the heaven and said abraham abraham and he said here i am he said do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him for now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of the, of the place the Lord will provide and in your offspring shall be the nations of the earth. The earth will be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men, and they arose and went together to Beersheba, where Abraham lived in Beersheba. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God.
0: Thanks, Ty. Joel's going to come and speak to us in the next part of our uh, Sing Jesus. Serious. Let's, uh, let's pray for him um, Yeah, before he, he speaks, Father, thank you, Lord, for Joel. Pray, Lord, you would speak through him this morning, Lord. Holy Spirit, fill him up, Lord. Would you,
1: Lord, awaken our hearts and our minds to hear from you. Uh, Lord, to see Lord Jesus, uh, in the scriptures, but also our work in our lives. We ask this in your name. Amen.
0: Amen. Thanks Matt. I needed, needed that prayer this morning because I don't know whether uh, it was the lows of our position in Eurovision or whether it was seeing Southampton get officially relegated or, and please don't be too shocked, yesterday for dinner I had cod. I know, in Grimsby, of all the places, so I needed that prayer today to get me um, in the right place um, to tell you some really interesting things. Uh, We'll start with, uh, in 1820, Thomas Jefferson, the American president, there's a picture of him, um, began cutting and pasting sections of the Bible, uh, he was snipping them out with his scissors and cutting them into his own version of the Bible called the Jefferson Bible. And the reason that he did this was because he believed that some of the teachings in the Bible were like diamonds, and he wanted to remove those diamonds from the dung heap that is the rest of it. He was removing the diamonds from the dung heap, which I'd just like to put out there. Uh, it's a very unpopular, unpublished book because it's the wrong thing to do with the Bible. However, how often when we approach the Bible can we feel like there are some bits that speak directly into our lives and then that there are other bits that are confusing that are seemingly insignificant there are bits that are boring there are bits that we just struggle with and so sometimes we can feel like we are picking out the diamonds from the dung heap which is why um, this series i think is going to be really helpful and really important it's not just Thomas Jefferson, but one of my friends, uh, they became a Christian on Alpha, and they started reading the Bible. From the start, they were like, I'm gonna go from the start, and I'm gonna to get to the finish, I'm gonna read all the way They'd done Alpha, I didn't live near them, so I couldn't be with them or take them to church, or continue reading the bible with them at that point technology wasn't as good as it was other than a phone call long conversation Uh, so they started reading the bible uh, and by the time they reached Leviticus they texted me to say that they'd given up on the bible uh, because they were just lost and confused uh, and they just didn't get it they didn't have any midweek group to journey alongside people, um, and so they struggled. And I think that's why this series is important, because as a church, we get to explore together. We get to see Jesus throughout those parts of the Bible that perhaps Thomas Jefferson was thinking are, are the dung heap. We're invited to see the rich depths of the Bible, but not just to know the Bible better. We're not going to come out of this with a theology degree, but we're going to see Jesus uh, and experience Jesus in those passages, and we're going to be changed by that experience. And, you know, we're in good company um, because in the book of Luke, post-resurrection, Jesus encounters some of his followers on the road to Emmaus. They were abandoning him. They were confused as to what, or more importantly, who he was and what his life and death and maybe resurrection meant. And Jesus is, what he does is really key. He, when he meets with them, he doesn't correct them. He doesn't caution them. He doesn't rebuke them. And he doesn't just go, oi, it's me, Jesus. He goes, Uh, In Luke 24, verse 27, he says, And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. And their response was to return to Jerusalem, to join with the other disciples and to become part of that formational group that grew and became a life-changing, nation-changing, world-changing movement that we know as Christianity. And how did this change in those people come about? Because Jesus walked them through the Bible and highlighted where you can see Him and what he was about. So, there's your intro. Um, That's the series. That's why it's important. How are we going to go through this? Well, so what we're going to do is look through the window to see Jesus. We're going to uh, first look at the context of what we're looking at today, uh, which is about Abraham. Uh, And then we're gonna ask the question, who is Abraham? Uh, We're then gonna say, where are the windows? Where in that passage that we heard today are the windows that we see Jesus in? And then hopefully most importantly, and most significantly, we're gonna say, what is the good news from this? And how does that apply to my life? So we'll start in the beginning. with Adam and Eve uh, and we saw uh, their first instruction was be fruitful and increase in number fill the earth and subdue it they were blessed with this wonderful world in which to rule with God Uh, and it lasted not that long before they got it wrong and they encountered uh, problems uh, and when they decided that it wasn't God who decides what's good and evil, it's them um, they were expelled uh, from the garden uh, from Eden uh, and uh, yeah, this was what God said about what would happen so God said, he, as soon as it went wrong, he said um, there'll be one who comes uh, this is talking to the snake, I'll put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers, and there'll be one who comes, he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. As soon as humanity chose not God's way, but their own way, um, and and things went wrong, God immediately uh, showed, he had a plan, there'll be someone who will come and they will crush the head of the snake. Uh, and so every time we encounter someone in the Bible, we sometimes can ask that question, is this that person? Who is was going to come. And we may have asked it last week looking at Noah um, and then we uh, get further on in the story we find Noah did some equally um, difficult things uh, and we get to the descendant of Noah uh, who is Abraham. And that's how he's introduced. He's a descendant of Noah. And the first encounter we have with him is uh, really significant. And God says to him, I will bless you and you'll be a blessing. He says this amazing passage, I'll make you into a great nation. I will bless you, I'll make your name great. You will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse and all the people on earth will be blessed through you that's that same promise that's that same scenario that Adam and Eve were dumped into uh, to be fruitful and multiply to fill the earth and subdue it those are really it's a really significant uh, look back and you think could Abraham be this man could be he be the person who would uh, strike uh, crush the head of the snake uh, and the answer in short is no um, he Lies about who his wife is Uh, he's devious he hears the promise that he will become a great nation and so then um, his wife doesn't immediately give birth doesn't for a patch of time give birth even though he's been promised by God Um, and so what does he do he takes his female slave and sleeps with her and has a child through her that just causes all kinds of um, division and complication and we realize Abraham isn't going to be the one who fulfills the promise um, but uh, in the reading from today while we see that he doesn't didn't live up to the um, That promise that is way back in Genesis at the start, we see uh, the foreshadowing of the one who will come, of the person who will crush the head of the snake, uh, of the person who will live a righteous life, of a person who will restore um, that relationship with God. And so we see that through the window uh, i guess in four different ways so uh, we see in the passage today if you had it open it would help but i'll have them on screen as well Um, we have uh, the first bit where in genesis 22 it says he said take your son your only son isaac whom you love and when i was reading that this week the the immediate thing that i thought was the son whom you love where have i heard that line before and there it is lo and behold in matthew when jesus was baptized a voice from heaven said this is my son whom i love with him i am well pleased so we've got the lining up of Isaac as uh, the son whom we love and Jesus who's the son who I love the next two are really a lot more subtle um, because we have uh, the line uh, that he was riding on a donkey into a place which if you haven't spent your time looking at Old Testament biblical maps I know it's the kind of thing that I love to do in my spare time we realize um, that in Genesis 22 verse 3 when he's journeying to a place on a donkey the place that he's journeying to on a donkey is Jerusalem so when you line up Oh, he's going somewhere on a donkey. That sounds familiar. Where have I seen that before? Um, it's in Mark chapter 11. We celebrate it not that long ago. I don't know if you remember, we had an actual donkey come through church, um, not heading to Jerusalem, but back to Nanny's farm. But we yet again see through that little window, we see those patterns develop where we go, Oh. They were going to Jerusalem on a donkey. Who else went to Jerusalem on a donkey? Um, And the next one's just as subtle um, because we have um, in John 19, 16 to 18, we see Jesus carries his cross. He carries his cross, not the whole way we don't think, but he carries the wood, uh, the the method with which he is sacrificed uh, on and in Genesis 22 verse 6 we see from Isaac not Abraham he doesn't carry the wood he makes Isaac carry the wood um, and I think it, it's subtle but we start to build that picture we've not just got the son whom I love we've not just got riding to Jerusalem and our donkey we've also got the carrying of the method of sacrifice um, together Is lining up together uh, so there's three. Four is, I think, the most significant um, of them, because it is flashing forward in the most significant way. When we get to Genesis twenty-two thirteen, when God calls out and they replace Isaac with a lamb. Um, it flashes forward. It's a foretelling in so many different ways, um, but we'll just go with a few of them. Uh, the first is a very literal title that, John, uh, that is given to Jesus in John 1:29. He says, Behold, he sees Jesus and he says, Behold, the Lamb of God who will take away the sin of the world. So Isaac is replaced in a sacrifice with a lamb and Jesus is called the Lamb of God who will take away the sin of the world through his sacrifice but it's also significant because we see um, further forward in Leviticus when they talk about um, the sacrificial system and you... Realise the significance of a lamb in sacrifices, specifically for atonement. The use of the lamb in their sacrificial system was to atone, to make right us with God, to uh, make uh, remove that connect the blockage of sin and make right our our relationship with God. That's what atonement is. And so, when you build up all of these different um, windows you see that we actually have a really uh, significant prophetic retelling uh, or foreshadowing of Jesus's life uh, in the life of Abraham and we flash forward and see the sacrifice that Jesus will make for us and that's um, the good news is it wasn't just Um, a weird patch of uh, Abraham traveling to Jerusalem but it was foreshadowing um, the journey that Jesus would make and the sacrifice that Jesus would make on the cross. When Jesus died on the cross, he made atonement for all of our sins. That's the good news. It's an invitation to be part of that life. It's an invitation to be made right with God through Jesus's sacrifice. That's good news for all of us. It's an invitation to live a life free of guilt. Do you know, one of my bugbears is when people tell me how guilty they feel about things that they shouldn't feel guilty about. I'm not saying I'm opening a confession booth and people are coming in and going, I feel ever so guilty I murdered 12 people last week it's not that it's the things that we do in our day to day life, whether deliberately or accidentally um, and we come to church and we worship God and we take communion our sins are forgiven because we are repentant people, but we carry on what frustrates me is when people carry on holding that guilt and that shame. Because we see Jesus in this window, through this window. He made the sacrifice so that we didn't have to feel like that. But we think that our guilt is the thing that stops us from being right with God. And I am just as guilty of it. I uh, studied at St. Melitia's College and I I didn't mind it, I'm not the best for studying things and we were on a week-long residential where we had to do lectures and seminars and practices And I spent that week getting increasingly further away from what I probably should have been doing on that residential. It started with just, you know, probably scrolling through Instagram on my phone. And then it progressed to, I actually started watching Downton Abbey during the lectures. And then I felt like watching Downton Abbey on mute wasn't the same thing. So I actually skipped a few lectures, just went back to my room, chilled, have coffee, snacks, and was watching Downton Abbey. And it's not the biggest sin, but all sins, you know, Uh, Equal and I felt quite guilty about that and so I skipped some more lectures because I didn't want to go to the other ones because I felt guilty Um, and then in the evening we had a a healing Eucharist service where you did a very traditional um, communion and then basically you just said come Holy Spirit and let all heaven break loose Um, and it was an amazing time um, of which I had felt like I shouldn't be able to go and um, be a part of that, but actually I went along, and I've—I don't think I've ever had a more significant time in ministering to other clergy or training clergy than that time i prayed for so many people and the next day i don't remember one of the things i prayed for people but the next day there were several people who came to me and went oh what you told me about was incredible it has changed my way of thinking forever and that's all god And it was incredible, but really what I want to highlight is I'd spent the day feeling guilty, feeling ashamed, feeling like I couldn't be a part of this, but yet God still worked through me in a really significant way because this is what happens uh, with the devil, is he likes to position himself between the forgiveness and the loving God that we have uh, and he holds up our shame and our guilt, and then all we can see is that, and we can't see that actually we're forgiven. We need to ignore um, those feelings of guilt and shame because they were one for us on the cross, and that's pretty great. So live life free of guilt, but we're also called into that same sacrifice um, that that Isaac is part of and Abraham is part of and Jesus is part of. Sacrifice is the significant um, pattern that we see um, in these verses. But it's um, sacrificed in a way that we perhaps don't imagine it. Because uh, I said a few months ago that um, the opposite of love is not hate, but the opposite of love is self. Um, and when God calls Isaac, Abraham to make a sacrifice, when God calls the people of Israel to make a sacrifice, when he um, calls on Jesus to take the ultimate sacrifice, he's asking them to look past self, to look past self-preservation, the preservation of his family line, the preservation of his life. He, he calls us um, to sacrifice in a different way he calls us to sacrifice by loving others by seeing that first uh, blessing in order to bless call on our lives um, and that calling on our lives not um, to be fruitless and boring um, but to have an element of sacrifice in it because when we love other people that, like, it it sometimes is hard. Um, We have this kind of Clinton's Cards view of romantic love, but the reality of love in the long term is that it is a persistent choice um, to keep loving those people. And our call as Christians is to know that we are loved, to know that we are blessed, to know that God made the ultimate sacrifice for us but from that, then go and be the blessing that we were called to be. Then go and love those people who it's difficult to love. Then go and sacrifice our lives for a good reason. It says in Mark 8.34, Jesus says, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. That means as Christians we're called to set aside our own desires, preferences and selfish ambitions in order to follow Christ, to prioritise God's will, to put aside personal ambition for the sake of serving God and others and that's The sacrifice we see Abraham make, the sacrifice we see Jesus make, and the sacrifice that we're called into. So, in Abraham, we see a foreshadow of the life that Jesus would live, and we see the life that we are invited into. We're not to carry the guilt and shame with us, but to know the blessing and the forgiveness that we've been given and live our lives worthy of that call. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the ability to see um, that the Bible is not just diamonds and dung heaps, but it's all diamonds, Um, and that your your example your prophetic example in the life of Abraham uh, is an amazing message for us we pray for yeah that we would receive that good news we would know that our sins have been forgiven we've been atoned for and we pray you would call us into a life of love for others